This is episode number 32 with Tyler Martineau. I don't know what you heard, but she the show. Welcome to episode number 32 of She Runs the Show. This is a great episode today, and, and this is really for you if you've ever not followed your parents' dream, if you've ever been in a space in your life where you knew you were meant for more. Maybe you didn't know what, maybe you didn't know how exactly it was going to unfold, but you knew that with the plan that was in place for your life, whether it was at 16 or at 30 or at 60, you just looked around and you said, you know what? I'm not going to go this way. And maybe I don't know which way I'm going to go, but I'm certainly going to follow my own path. If you've ever had that moment, or maybe you're having that moment right now, this is the episode for you. I talked to Tyler Martineau and he talks about how he discovered his own path and how he chose not to go with convention or with what his parents wanted, but really to be true to his entrepreneurial spirit. And you're going to love this interview because it really is about following your dreams and not giving up. All right, I've given enough of a preview here. Let's get to the episode. So we are here with another amazing episode and on She Runs the Show, I am bringing Tyler Martineau onto the scene and I want you to hear his message about how our finances, our personal finances really connect to our level of business success. And so Tyler, thank you for being on the show. Welcome. Hey, thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's good to have you on. So I want to talk a little bit about your own entrepreneurial journey. So I know that you're an author. Um, you talk about all things, finances, personal finances, business finance related. But walk me through how you decided to become an entrepreneur and how you got there. Well, I think it, it starts just uh, something that's ingrained in you. You just want something more out of life and, and you, you don't necessarily agree with the things that you've been taught that you should agree with. And so you try and discover for yourself what you want for yourself and want for others. And so I think that's where it started with me is uh, I don't know how far in depth you want me to go or how far back in my own personal uh, history that you want me to go. But uh, where I started is I disagreed with some things that I was taught or meant to believe or understand about where I was supposed to be in 10 years from when I was in high school. And so after, after kind of coming to the realization of that, I started searching for myself of what, what did I really want to be when, in 10 years? Did I want to fall in line with what I was told I wanted to be or fall in line with uh, what I was expected to be? Or did I want to fall in line with what I wanted to be? And so that kind of initiated the fire within to, to discover what that exactly was for me personally. And I know everybody has their own journey and, and how they can explain that question better uh, personally for them. But for me, that's where it started. So tell me about that experience, because, you know, a lot of us um, grow up and we have parents that sort of I know when I was growing up, my mother was like, there are two ways you can go. You can be a lawyer, you can be a doctor. Right. So there are sort of two ways. It was like everything else is kind of, uh, you know, be a lawyer, be a doctor. And so she really wanted a doctor and pushed me in the pre-med direction. Obviously, I didn't go in that direction, but that pressure was there from a very young age for you. What kind of pressures did you feel from your family growing up? Well, uh, nothing was very extravagant about me personally growing up. My my father was in the industry, the uh, manufacturing industry, and 
and then my mother was in the educational industry. And so uh, for me, it was just a, it was always expected to kind of go to the, the continuing education after high school, which for my brother that did become a lawyer, that was necessary, and, and I can't see him taking any other path. But for me, I, I'm a little bit more scatterbrained in the sense that uh, I couldn't focus on just one thing I needed to figure out for myself where I wanted to be. And I think that's kind of what, what the educational system is formatted to do is kind of give you a taste of everything. Um, but in, for me, it never gave me a taste of a specific thing. And so for me, the pressure, I guess, would be to conform to everything and yet nothing at all, and it just didn't work for me. It didn't vibe. So what I had to do is I had to discover for myself to, uh, of what I was passionate about, and really what it came down to is I was passionate about helping other people, and so that's where it all started and and uh, went into that. So how did you know that helping other people was going to take the form of entrepreneurship? Like how did that – how did you know, okay, helping other people but doing it in my own business was the way I want to go? Well, uh, um, it's a good question. <laughs> I, I that's just what I was passionate about, and uh, that's what I pursued, and that's what made me happy. And I found that the more the more I enjoyed what I was doing, the more productive I was. And so, to me, it just kind of was a, a snowball effect of, hey, if you feeling like you're productive in a certain area and you enjoy it, keep going along with that. And so it actually led me, I, with the book that I wrote, uh, it was actually a class I tried teaching it to kids because I was trying to help the understanding, the basic understanding, uh, starting early before people got bad habits installed in themselves. So I started teaching kids 14, 18 years old, and I realized that kids really didn't have that desire yet. They were still, you know, texting and, and not really paying attention. And so at that point, I decided, you know what, I better just write it in a book. And then if people that really want to know, then it'll resound with them. And those that really don't care at this point in life, well, I'm not beating my head against the wall. And so that's where it kind of started with the, the book of, of, uh, writing a book or writing it down, and I realized that was a harder process than I've ever realized in my life of writing a book. That'll help you if you ever decide you want to do something or pursue something. Try writing a book about it, even if it's just a little book. Absolutely. And, you know, but I, I here's what I hear from a lot of entrepreneurs. I hear that there's fear about taking the risk, the leap of like going full swing into a business. And then I also hear that there's fear around the idea of doing something like writing a book. There are lots of people who want to write books who never do because of the fear. How did you overcome your fear of writing to actually sit down and write this book? Uh, I think I never had fear. Like I, I think the fear comes with thinking that you have to be well-known known after writing the book or the book has to sell to make your money back or something that way. To me, it was just, hey, I'm just doing this for myself. I'm going to put it on some paper, and then whatever comes of it, comes of it. Like It was more for myself rather than for others at that point when it came to the decision of writing a book. Uh, and I think that's where the fear comes in is when you start thinking that, hey, this is going to be for others, uh, that's when the fear sets in or the discouragement or the – false perception of, hey, this might not be anything. To me, it never I never thought it was going to be anything. It was just, hey, I have some good advice, some good insight. Let me just put it down and then it, take it off my brain, like put it on paper so it's off my brain. And then if somebody thinks that it can help them, that's what it's for. And so I think that's where the – I never had the fear. I just did it. 
Absolutely. And so a part of I guess part of not having the fear was that you really were focused on a fulfilling something that was in you to say, I need to do this and b being of service. So regardless of whether it helped one people or one person or a million, you were like, as long as it reaches somebody, that's what that book was here to do. Exactly. Yeah. And that somebody starting out was my my kid. It was, hey, one day, 10 years down the road, I can tell, look to him and be like, yeah, yeah, I wrote this. Read it. Tell me what you think. And other than that, I really didn't care who read it. That's powerful. And that freed you up to actually get the book done. Yeah, it was many. Uh, it was like a two-year process of just writing it a couple hours every night when I everybody was in bed and I had the time and, and reading other books and, and going back and forth from just doing other things. But yeah, I rewrote the book probably more than 100 times and it's only an 89-page book. Wow, so. so definitely it took discipline and it took really investing the time. Now, tell me about the book. Tell me, you know, what is it about, the title, and, and what do you think are the key takeaways in the book? Uh, in all honesty, I've been told that there really are only two true books in the world and everything else is just kind of takeoffs of those. But uh, for me, it, it's nothing that people don't already know. Uh, they don't. It's nothing that people don't already understand if they haven't uh, sat down and think, thought about finances in general. It's very basic start off of an understanding of, of what people need to do uh, in order to be successful with their life. And so that's what this book's titled. It's called Lifestyle of Success. And uh, it's not about being rich or, or knowing the right type of investments. And what it's about is just establishing good habits financially that can kind of start the snowball of getting into bigger and better things. And what I've done, the thing that kind of sets it apart is uh, the analogy that I've created. I did a little bridge analogy where I've had certain uh, pillars. Uh, I call them pillars of perception. The three main ways pillar or money is perceived to be made, which is work to earn, save to earn, and spend to earn. And then I put planks of performance, which would connect the pillars um, for increasing your ability to earn, create a savings, control spending, and employing your assets. And so focusing on those each individual topics, uh, I think it gets you to a point where you can call yourself successful with money in the sense that you understand, even if it's you know 10 bucks, you understand how to manage $10.00. Uh, going through that process, and the, the principles are the same. If you're understanding how to manage ten dollars, you understand how to manage a million dollars. It's just basic financial understanding. Mm, and you know, so what do you think when you say that? So, I hear a lot of people who say things like, um, "When I get to this financial level, like a lot of entrepreneurs will say, well, right now I'm not managing my money well because there is none. But when I make a million dollars a year, then I'll give to charity. Then I'll, you know, have a savings." What do you say to that? Uh, well, the first part of the bridge is titled Current Financial Understanding. So that could, would be a millionaire. That could be a dollaraire. It's just your current financial understanding. And then as you progress through the bridge, they're very vague titles, but they're very specific at the same time where it says, hey, you need to learn to work to earn. Well, if your current financial understanding is, hey, you're 16 years old and just getting into the, the workforce, well, I need to learn how to work. If you're a millionaire, you need to learn how to work work to earn money in a – more profitable. So you just it's going through the bridge and, and refining yourself, going through it again, refining it until you're, I guess, uh, the top level of uh, success with money. Yeah, exactly. That and however you define that. Now, here's what's interesting, though. You said um, that your book is is nothing that people don't already know. But Steve Covey has said in his books, you know, to learn and not do 
is to not learn and to know and not do is to not know. So basically, yeah, you might know it, but if you're not actually doing what you know or putting it in place, you don't really know it. What do you think, you know, people's biggest issue is with money? Uh, they don't have good financial habits. And I think that's the biggest one. They, they learn either by their peers or by their, their parents or by somebody. They learn poor financial habits when they're young and they never get changed. And then they end up making the same mistake over and over until they're at the same point they were before they began. Mm. And so if I know you said you started kind of working with younger kids, hoping to, you know, build the right habits, but they're sort of texting and doing their own thing. Do you feel like people should be learning their financial habits in their 20s? Do you feel like they should be learning them from the time that they're two? I mean, how where where is that opportunity to really set the foundation of really solid financial habits? Uh, that is a huge question. I, personally, I think it's all always continual ever since day one. Um, but I think the real the real key points is when you earn a dollar and when you spend a dollar. Those are going to be the two pivotal moments of your life of when you actually learn, hey, this is what it takes to earn a dollar, and then you learn, hey, this is what it, what spending a dollar means. In my, in my book, I do put an analogy of that every dollar is a wish, and you're wishing. With every dollar, you make a wish. And so the ultimate... Uh, the ultimate way to utilize a wish is to wish for more wishes. And that's kind of the ultimate goal at the end is when you become successful with money, you understand that, hey, I can take this wish or this dollar and make it into multiple wishes or multiple dollars, and then I can use my money. Where I think most people kind of start off as, hey, this is a wish. I wish for a candy bar. Well, to me, that's a pretty expensive candy bar because you don't just lose that dollar or that wish. You lose the potential that dollar had to make another other dollar or so on, if that makes sense. Very uh, true. Kind of in general. Yeah, that's that's powerful. And so for entrepreneurs, how can entrepreneurs kind of take this idea of creating good financial habits and apply it to the way that they do finances, both personally and in their business? Well, there's always a starting point. And uh, if you miss the, the right starting point, you're going to struggle all the way through it. So I think the start, you're going to need to find where the starting point is. And in personal finances, the starting point uh, is is you need to learn how to work. And so a lot of the times when people think they have a great idea, it is a great idea. They just don't know how to implement it. They don't know how to work to make something out of that idea. And so once they learn how to do that or learn the key points of learning how, how to implement that idea, I think it'll, it'll go into now the next point is to learn how to save and how to spend and budgeting and all the other things that kind of has to do with finances. Um, and over time, as you are involved, in your business, you're going to continue to increase your ability to earn through different implementation of ideas. You're going to continue to create a savings by cutting uh, cutting pri or prices of what you spend or stuff like that. You're going to control your spending a little bit better, and you're going to kind of go through all of that until until you have a successful business or continue on growing your business. Absolutely. And so now, in your own entrepreneurial life, how do you, I mean, because I think part of it is a lot of people feel like even just dealing with their personal finances, that takes on a life of its own. Like, how do you find time to cultivate your financial habits, cultivate your business, but also have time for family and for other really big priorities? I think just simplify. Um, there are so many programs, so many things available uh, that you can 
either Google or get into or talk to your financial person or just do your of that, hey, you get a paycheck and automatically a certain amount is taken out and put into what account, or even if you just get your paycheck in full, automatically you you have the discipline or at least hope that most people have the discipline to say, okay, stick with the program that this amount goes into this budget and this amount goes in here and just give you up their money before they go out and spend it. And that's probably the most crucial. If you can't do that, there's no need to progress on any other step because you're, you're going to end up right back where you were. Exactly. And so at the end of the day, I mean, do you feel like looking at it from an entrepreneurial landscape, I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs who sort of, they don't plan ahead for how they're going to allocate their revenues and then revenues come in big time and they're, there's no plan in place. Do you think entrepreneurs should have a, like a budget before they've hit certain revenue points? So when they get there, they know what to do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And so that's uh, I can't remember who quoted that, but that's kind of the thing you got to live by. You got to plan, plan every step out, and that's what makes I guess the book is so so basic is because it can be applied into every aspect. It's just your your perception of the title, I guess. But you start from a certain point, and from there on, you have a plan. And once you get to the end of that plan, well, it's the same plan. It's just now refined. And once you get to the end of that plan, well, it's the same plan again. It's just now refined into a different perception. And so I think that's what starting a business is say you have a plan. Yeah, it's going to modify and mold and do whatever to what your business develops into. But it's going to hopefully be pretty much the same thing all the way through if you have a good business plan to start with exactly. or budgeting plan or whatever it is. Yeah, so you have to know. Now, here's one thing I want to ask you about, and you tell me what you think. There is a, a big, and I hear this in entrepreneurial circles all the time, there's such a big push for entrepreneurs to, um, as soon as they start a business, to hire assistants, virtual assistants, personal assistants, like, and there's such a big push, like, it doesn't matter if you can barely afford one, just go get one because they're going to do so much work for you, they're going to free you up to be in your business. But I, I find myself being much more conservative from that. I feel like if you're not at the financial place where you can easily afford an assistant, you still have to do this on your own. It may mean more hours, more time. But I think financially, you have to be able to, your business has to warrant you affording an assistant before you get one. What do you? What's your take on that? Because that's kind of controversial right now in entrepreneurial circles, this do I get assistance or not? I would agree with both sides. Uh, and here's why. Um, the type of personality that I am, I agree completely with your side of uh, it's my side as well. Of hey, if you if you can't afford getting an assistant, you have no business getting a, an assistant. You need to uh, put in the hours, know your business inside and out, and put in the time. If you get to the point where you don't have the time to make yourself grow, I think sometimes for me, the type of personality that I have, I thrive off of others' involvement, and so. Oh, the personal assistant isn't just the dollar amount or the work that they get done, but it's the motivation that they give me personally to get more things done than I would have without one. And so it just depends on kind of, I think, personality of where you are in your business, your personality that you have. For me, I thrive off others. And if I don't have others, I kind of tend to become lethargic in my endeavors sometimes. Not all the time. I'm very ambitious, but sometimes I do. And I think for me, that's where an assistant or just a friend or somebody that I can share the idea with and, and collaborate with and they can hold me accountable for doing certain things, that's where it becomes more of a value 
than just an hourly paid assistant, if I, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense, and I never even looked at it like that. That's that's really true because you think about it when you're, whether it's you're starting a new eating regimen or you're training for a 5K, having an accountability partner helps. Having exactly. somebody that you train with helps. So having that assistant, more you know, provided that you can afford it, also helps because now you've got a team and so you can bounce ideas off of the other person. So I never looked at it that way. That's that's true. That's very true. That's good. So when you think about it, I mean, where are you taking your business next? I mean, you, you wrote the book. You've got that done. It's accomplished. What's next for you and your business? Well, here in a couple months, we're uh, scheduled to be launching a whole new website and and whole new business, basically. Rather rather than just take being a book and an educational tool, we are now going to be out there promoting uh, the website uh, it'll be just strictly in the local area for now and then eventually branch off once, you know, kind of like the assistant thing. Once you can afford to be branched out, then do it. We don't want to grow too fast. But we we will go around and get the the local businesses that fit with our, our bridge analogy. So if they're creating a budget, needing help creating a budget, if they're needing help with their uh, savings, if they're needing more investment uh, opportunities. We're going to get the businesses, tie their affiliate link uh, in with our, our website, and then go around and, and present what we have to people saying, hey, if you need help with this stuff, there's a one hub domain where you can go and find out all the articles, information, things like that. That'll just take you step by step. doesn't matter where you are. doesn't matter how financially savvy. It's your current financial understanding, dollar error, millionaire. Go here and it'll help in some way. Fantastic. Good. And so now when is that set to launch? Um, we are looking at July. Very good. Very good. So in the meantime, if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, you know, I really have to get a handle on my finances, whether it's for my business or for my personal life, probably both. How can they find you? How can they find more information about your business and, and the book and everything else? Well, like everybody usually does. They, we have a little rinky-dink uh, website set up just so people have the information or the availability to get the book if they would like and some other products or whatever. But it's uh, www.mysmartstarteducation.com. So it's a pretty long website. We're going to – that will eventually link into our main website. But right now, that's just to go and, and get the book and contact me if you need to. Uh, but that will be transitioning here in a few months. Beautiful. So www.mysmartstarteducation.com. I'll be sure to put that in the show notes. Now, if you had to give one piece of advice to entrepreneurs out there, especially ones who are just starting in their business, what something that they can do to create those good financial habits, what would be that one tip? Um, I would say, I want to say stick with it. But if it's a bad idea, don't stick with it. <laughs> I've gone through probably about because I'm like I said, I'm a little bit scatterbrained. Uh, I have created and gone through and done on paper probably about 10 different business strategies, 10 different businesses on paper. And then I lost either motivation or I ran into something that I, I knew it wouldn't work out well. And I just kind of shelved it. Uh, this has been over the past probably five or seven years. And finally, I. I get to this one, and this one it clicks. Like it clicks so profound with me personally, and many of the other ideas or business strategies or things that I've tried implementing in the past, uh, I can pull a lot of those off the shelf and implement them into this business. And it almost feels like everything I've done in the past has been like a learning experience or 
collaborative effort to get to where I am now. And so I would say don't give up, but not not just don't give up uh, on just that specific business. Just don't give up in trying to make a business or a different business perspective work. It may be a different one that you have to turn to every couple of years or whatever, but always continue to to try and make something work. Perfect. Okay, good. So now I'm going to ask you my final question. It's my favorite question. So I want you to imagine yourself at 85 years old, sitting somewhere beautiful in a rocking chair and just looking back on your entire life. At 85, what do you want to be able to say you were able to accomplish over the course of a lifetime? I would like to say that people know who I am and what I've done and that they, they appreciate it. That's beautiful. Yeah. We all want to know that we brought value, but that people also acknowledge that we brought the value. So that's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Tyler, for being here. I'm definitely going to send people to your website and put that in the show notes. I appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, I appreciate it. It was uh, great, and uh, I look forward to our next one. Awesome. Perfect.